Well, good morning and welcome to all of you. Glad that you're here with us at Gateway Taze Valley this morning, especially if it's your first time. I want to welcome you. Uh, we're glad that you've chosen to worship with us. Uh, hey, I just want to say, you know, for my part, that a lot of times the cafe ministry, the starting point, they are such an intricate part, an integral part of what we do every Sunday morning. And you might not see what they do, or you might think that it's just ca- just coffee and snacks out there in the in the uh, lobby in the cafe. But um, they're so important to what we do every week, and a lot of the, what makes a Sunday morning work uh, is our starting point ministry, our cafe ministry. And so, uh, and in a big way, our, our starting point volunteers they may be the first people that a visitor sees, and also the last one as well. And so, if you've been uh, if you help with that, we're so thankful for you. You are such a, an important part of what we do, and uh, it's really easy to do in a lot of ways, but you can make a big impact. And so if you're looking for somewhere to serve, we hope that you'll serve uh, with us on the Starting Point Ministry, if, if that sounds like something you can do. So let's tar- start off this morning. I, I want to start off with uh, letting you know that I might sound uh, sick or not myself, and that's because I am dealing with a cold, but I don't have any COVID symptoms, and I do have a negative test. So, uh, if, But if the first three rows, you want to move back, I won't be offended. But uh, we're going to try to make it through this. First service went about par, uh, so we're going to hope for a birdie this time. Uh, but uh, uh, John told me, John Loftus told me I needed to start taking up golf, and so I've upped my uh, golfing terms uh, in the last 10 minutes. All right, well, to start off this morning, I, I want to start off with reading from Psalm 139, and this is going to be from the Passion Translation, and uh, I, I just love this translation. So we're going to read all the way through it, and uh, it'll be up on the screen. You can read along with me. Not out loud, just uh, we can just read along together. So let's, uh, this is King David in Psalm 139. He says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. You, your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask darkness to hide, ask the darkness to hide me for your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There is no difference between the two. You form my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and intricate outside, and wove them together in my mother's womb. I thank God for making I thank you God for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvel, marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. 
You, who, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days that you had planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. Oh God, come and slay these bloodthirsty, murderous men. For I cry out, depart from me, you wicked ones. See how they blaspheme your sacred name and lift themselves up against you, but all in vain. Lord, can't you see how I despise those who despise you? For I grieve when I see them rise up against you. I have nothing but complete hatred and disgust for them. Your enemies shall be my enemies. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. What a, an incredible section of Scripture that is. A, a needed reminder that our lives are not an accident. As we come to the last couple of weeks in our available series, we're going to finish up by getting a little personal with you. Thus far, we've covered uh, your spiritual gift and your heart and your abilities, but over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about your personality and your experiences for the last two letters of this SHAPE acronym. Yes, your gifting and your passion and your ability are part of who you are. There's just a next level of intimacy of shaping who you are that comes when we start talking about your personality and your experiences. And there's nothing more personal than your personality. You've had it longer than your spiritual gift. You've had it longer than the stirrings of your heart. And you've had it longer than your abilities. Even if you could shoot from the age of two, whether it's a gun or a ball, or since if you've been able to read since you were four, you've had your personality for longer. Most psychologists believe that while our personality type is influenced by our environment, it's largely determined by our genetics. And that means that your personality is part of how God knit you together in your mother's womb. There was a study done called the Minnesota Study of Twins Reared Apart, which studied 350 pairs of twins between 1979 and 1999. Participants uh, included both identical and fraternal twins who were either raised together or raised apart. Now, uh, the twins were not raised apart for the purposes of this study. I was a little concerned when I first saw this, but it, it, they were already apart. It's just the study was done on them. But results revealed that the personalities of identical twins were very similar whether they were raised in the same household or apart. And isn't that kind of crazy that, uh, that twins can be separated at birth, have no interaction with each other through life, but yet they have the same personality? And so there's evidence that God, that shows that our personality is part of our DNA, that God has started working on your personality at the same time that he was putting the rest of you together. This week, my wife and Ash, Ashley and I got to go for the anatomy scan of our baby girl, Ruby, who has been baking for uh, 21 weeks as of yesterday. Uh, now, I'm not typically the one for cheap awls, but uh, I wanted to, to put that in this morning because I do feel like it, uh, it does intersect with God's Word and what we're studying this morning, what we're looking at. 
You know, one of our favorite things to do as a family each week is uh, to find out how big Ruby is now and which fruit or vegetable she compares to. Uh, as of yesterday, she's a large banana, and uh, now I've started questioning this a little bit because last week she was a sweet potato. So I, I, I don't know. I've never seen a large enough banana that's bigger than a sweet potato, but here we are. So in the 20th week, when this photo was taken, she was a sweet potato, and it was amazing to go and see that little sweet potato that she has uh, arms and legs, 10 fingers, 10 toes, a nose, and a mouth. And she's moving around, she's flipping around, and you find yourself forgetting that this baby in this picture is just a sweet potato, that she's only about one pound right now. And it was pretty cool this week. Uh, My wife Ashley posted on Facebook this photo along with uh, a post about it, but she quoted Psalm 139 when she did it, and she didn't have any idea that we were going to be talking about that today. Uh, But when you see all of this happening, happening, it's a reminder that every life, is a miracle. Every time a baby is born and comes out breathing and crying, it's a miracle. And that God does truly knit us together in our mother's womb, even when we're the size of a sweet potato. But our personality isn't only formed by God. It mostly is, but it's also formed by our environment. Your personality can change over time because of your circumstances or because of what surrounds you every day. A young mother once said, you know what, these days I've had to let go of my type A personality because when you have kids, you know what, the messiness just doesn't matter anymore. Uh, I've given up. I've been defeated. Uh, Can I get an amen from the moms that might maybe have had to give it up? We, We laugh at that a little bit, but the truth is that sometimes our personality does change because of our kids or because of time or because of our age. Sometimes the circumstances of our life, like a traumatic event or an intervent, a moment of intervention, can cause your personality to change. But still, in most cases, while your personality may change slightly over the course of your life, it will largely remain the same throughout because it's part of your DNA. Now, I don't know how many of you, uh, how many of you have ever taken a personality test of some sort? Raise your hand if you've taken. Uh, a few years ago, uh, the Enneagram became like a big personality test. Everybody went asking, what's your Enneagram score? What's your Enneagram score? And nobody knew what that meant, but it was popular, so we did it. Uh, I don't know if you took that one. I came back as a three and an eight, uh, but I like the three description better, so I just say I'm a three. Uh, but it's also known as the Achiever. And I felt like the results were pretty accurate. I've also taken the Myers-Briggs personality test, and I came back as, a, as an, an introverted, observant, feeling, judging, assertive. So be watching yourselves because I'm a judger. But uh, that's also known as the defender, and I like that one as well. Uh, but with any personality test, you know, we kind of read, you might read the first paragraph, and then what I think is important, too, is to go down and read the strengths and weaknesses, because you can be like, oh, yeah, that's totally me, that's, that's all me, that descript, that paragraph is me, and then we don't want to read about the strengths and weaknesses, because then it's like, oh, yeah, that, that is me, like, I, I do have that weakness, too. But for me, I, you know, my strengths, I, I'm supportive, I, I'm reliable, I'm patient, I, I'm imaginative, observant, and enthusiastic. But I also repress my feelings, and I overload myself. And I've got a bunch of other weaknesses too, but those weren't listed on the website for that personality type. But that's 
that's me. What about you? Have you ever taken one of these tests? I, I, I find that most of them are pretty accurate if you're able to answer the questions honestly. Uh, but this morning, the, I want to, to do a couple of exercises together as we talk about our personality. Now, I'm going to give you 20 seconds here in just a minute. And I want you to come up with an alliterative adjective to describe yourself. Now, for those of you that might have failed English or uh, don't know your language arts, uh, this means that you're going to be looking for a word that describes you that begins with the same letter as your name. So, for instance, mine might be Brilliant Brian. Uh, Humility was not one of my uh, things. Uh, For instance, mine might be Brilliant Brian. Uh, I don't know what yours is, but I want you to take 20 seconds now. I'm going to give you some time to think about it, and then I want you to tell the person next to you what you come up as for your alliterative adjective. Go ahead. All right, Tim, I'm going to put you on the spot. What'd you come up with? Terrific Tim. Terrific Tim. <laughs> All right, raise your hand if you agree. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Uh, Shannon, did you come up with one? Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, well, the, the scale can go either way. Uh, Luke Martin was in here for service, and he said all he could think of was lazy or loser, and we voted, and we said he was right. <laughs> but... Anyhow, uh, all right. Well, that can be, it can kind of go either way. You know, it's a fun little exercise, but maybe it can tell you whether you think positively about yourself or negatively about yourself or if you're realistic with yourself. Uh, and that's why I had you tell the person next to you so they could be like, no, that's not you. Uh, all right. I noticed I didn't ask anybody about mine. Uh, all right. Next, I want you to look at these pictures. Now, a lot of times you get asked if you're a dog person or a cat person. And uh, that's what we're doing today. Today, I want you to see, do you identify with the lion or the cat? And that could go either way. Uh, But as you look at that, uh, raise your hand if you identify with the cat on the right. All right. What about the lion on the left? All right. So most people, that's the way it went first service too. And I don't know... I would probably vote for the lion as well because cats, you know, who wants to be a cat? But, you know, I also feel bad about that because in churches for years, uh, the cat has gotten drugged through the mud. Like, uh, you, usually it's like, wow, you know, they're pro-dog. And so I, for anybody, I'm not going to disparage the cat anymore. But it tells you a lot about you. Uh, if that what depending on what you choose there, and I'm not going to tell you what it tells you about you. But if I said that and I had a notebook and you said, "Oh, I, I identify with the cat," I, and I just went, "Hmm, that's pretty interesting. This is a lot about you." You'd be wondering, "What is he writing on that notebook? Right? Like, what does he? Say, what does that say about me?" Well, I'm not going to tell you. But one last exercise. We have a bunch of questions here that I'm going to put up on two different slides, and uh, you can answer them just to yourself in your seat there. First is, after a, a long, hard week, do you prefer a nice, quiet evening, or do you like to unwind with others having fun? Do you tend to hurt feelings or have your feelings hurt? Do you like to carefully plan your vacation time or just let it happen? 
And if you are married to the opposite on that one, how much marriage counseling do you need? Uh, do you even go on vacations anymore? Uh, do you, num- the next one, do you like confrontation or do you take extra precaution to avoid it? Do you like to read the instruction manual or just dive into a task? Uh, do you have a hard time admitting that you are wrong or are you always apologizing? And do you like making decisions or would you prefer somebody else do that? Now, a lot of those questions, if you've ever taken a personality test, those are the types of questions that you answer. And then they kind of figure it all up and they say, well, this is, this is what you are. And if I was a psychologist, I could tell you what personality test you are or personality type you are according to the combination of your answers to those questions. But I'm not. <laughs> but th- for most of you, I also don't need to tell you because you most likely already know what kind of personality you are. Now, most of the time, these tests are telling you what you already know. They're, that's why we, we think they're accurate, but these tests can sometimes be a little bit like a psychic, you know, because they're just reframing the information that you have provided and giving it back to you in an impressive package, a package that makes you sit back and go, wow, that is amazing. How did they know that about me? And anybody that's ever taken a test or seen a psychic, maybe you have felt that way, like, wow, this is amazing stuff. How do they know that? But that's not to say that these tests aren't helpful. It can help others that are trying to figure out how to deal with you figure out how to deal with you. And so maybe we should all carry around a printout of our Enneagram score or our Myers-Briggs letters so people can avoid making us angry. So we avoid conflict because you say, don't say that because this is not how it goes with me. And knowing your strengths and weaknesses is always helpful in the pursuit of bettering ourselves. You know, one of the most interesting and amazing things as a parent is watching your children grow up and seeing their personalities develop. Now, I don't know if it's like this in your house, but for some reason, uh, my, ba- my boys have apparently inherited all of my bad qualities and all of Ashley's good qualities because anytime they're acting up and acting like fools, she always tells me that my kids are acting up. I don't know if it's like that in your house, but like apparently they got all like the bad stuff from me. I, I, I don't know. It's weird how that works. Uh, but there are moments when it's kind of crazy seeing our personalities come through in our kids, for the better or for the worse. And then there are times we can't quite figure out where they got that. Like, I didn't act like that. I, and, and then the, the mom says, no, I didn't act like that either. But some, they got it from somewhere, right? And, and that can start early, too. Some, some moms claim to know their ch- child's personality even before they leave the womb. And that's why I've been nervous ever since that appointment, uh, that ultrasound appointment last week, when the ultrasound tech kept saying or using words like feisty and, and stubborn and uncooperative. Uh, we were there for an hour because she wouldn't cooperate with the pictures. And I, I was like, I, what, what, pray for me, please. That's... <laughs> You know, our personalities, they come out in a, in a variety of forms. And making an effort to better understand the, the personality of those who are close to us or even our own personality can make life so much better. It can help us to get along. It can help us, to, it can help us in our marriages. It can help us as parents. It can help us be better coworkers. It can help us be better friends. And so understanding our personality not only helps in those areas, but it can help us be more available 
and to be better servants to the Lord. And this morning we want to talk about a couple of things to understand about your personality when it comes to being available. And the first thing to understand is that nothing about you was accidental. There is nothing about you that was accidental. And we read through that passage translation of Psalm 139 earlier, and I've found myself liking that translation more and more recently. And I really like the way they they translate verse 5 of Psalm 139, which says, you have laid your hand on me. You have laid your hand on me. I mean, what a great image of God's handiwork on, upon us. The, the God of the universe, the creator of all, had a hand in making you. And, and I don't know about you, but that, to me, that's pretty significant. That he created you as a masterpiece. His hands were involved in making you. In verse 13 of the first part of 14, David says, You form my innermost being shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. It's important that you know that there was nothing accidental about you. You are not the product of macroevolution. You are not a random conglomeration of cells put together. No, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the universe, a unique expression of the creative genius of God. And so everything about you is intentional. Your body shape, your skin color, your eye color, your height, and your personality. And while you might want to trade some of those in sometime, you were made with a purpose. You've been made in the image of God, and you are the way that you are on purpose, for a purpose. Our sinful nature tries to tear people down based on on how they look or how they act. But don't let anybody look down on you because of how God made you and who he made you to be. See, conflict arises in our world when we tear each other down based on our differences rather than celebrate our differences. So let's celebrate the creativity that the Lord has and appreciate that we are all God's handiwork. We have been created to live in a harmonious relationship with our Creator. When God created you, His plan was and is that you would come to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and that you would place your complete trust in Him, that you would conform to His character and and His image rather than get caught up in the sin and temptation of this world. Paul says in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, and we know that God foreknew all of us from Psalm 139. So Paul says, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So there's not a single person that's ever been created for hell and destruction. Jesus says in Matthew 25, 41, that hell was prepared for Satan and his angels, not for man. So you were not created with the deck stacked against you, destined to go to hell. No, God has cherished you with every thought from the time he formed you until now. And he wants you to know that his son Jesus, he wants you to know his son Jesus and he wants, you, wants to use you in the way that he's made you for his glory. So regardless of your personality type, you can be used by God. Throughout the Bible, we witness God using introverts, extroverts, natural-born leaders, timid followers, morning people, night owls, reformers, helpers, achievers, investigators, enthusiasts, peacemakers, on and on and on. There isn't a personality type that God cannot use. 
It doesn't matter what your personality is. He wants to use it for His glory. Nothing about you was accidental. Number two, God wants to strengthen your personality. Jesus says in Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And seemingly drawing from that, Pastor Rick Warren, who's the one that came up with the SHAPE acronym, he sees four basic categories as the starting point for every personality. And those are talkers, feelers, thinkers, and doers. And as you look at those four categories, which one do you think that you would fall in? Each of us naturally flow into one of those categories in our area of relationship with, with God. And so which is it for you? For every personality type we talked about earlier, there's, there's strengths and weaknesses, and our goal is to maximize the strengths that we have and minimize the weaknesses. But that can be tough to do. So God helps us by the transforming power of His Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we want to look at the strengths of each of those personality types as well as some of the weaknesses. If you're a talker, you, you love to talk. You're, you're good at talking. What's in your heart comes out of your mouth. It's easier for you to love God with all your heart because you know how to express yourself with your words. If you're a feeler, you're a soul person. We could use the word soulful to describe you. You're more emotional than the rest of us. You feel things very deeply in your soul, and that's how you best love God. If you're a thinker, well, you're a thinker. You love logic and reason. You love to analyze things. You love evidence, and you are able to worship God best with all your mind. And if you're a doer, you're good at getting things done. You appreciate the, the talkers and the feelers and the thinkers, but Man, there's just a time that, think that the work needs to get done, right? That we need to just throw that out and just do it. By the way, uh, we need doers present at every event. So if you uh, uh, identify with that, we need you helping us out so things actually get done. Otherwise, we'd just be sitting around talking and feeling and thinking. You're good at loving God with all your strength if you're a doer. Now, understand that we are uh, all a combination of all these things, but we each do have one or two that come easier to us than the others. By now, I hope you've discovered which way you lean because we're going to go over a quick rundown on what to be careful with now on each one and how you can maximize your strengths for the kingdom. So if you're a talker, you have the, the power to influence others with your words. So be positive. Be encouraging with your words. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the, of the, the, words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Friends, words have so much power. All of us have been wounded by words, and all of us have been encouraged by words. So be careful how you use them. Don't be a gossip. In fact, if, if you struggle with this, you might want to stop talking so much. Proverbs ten nineteen says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongue. If you're a feeler, well, many times in Scripture, the, the word soul is a synonym for feelings. Feelers, you love God the most with your soul. So inspire others with your enthusiasm. Be compassionate, but be careful that you're not tempted by your emotions or manipulated by your moods. Sometimes the right thing to do isn't what you feel in your heart, and so you have to work on discerning your feelings. 
In those moments, let God's Spirit lead you. Paul wrote in Galatians 5.16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you're a thinker, well, like the psalmist, you, you love to meditate. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Let, lead the way for us in how we should study God's Word if you're a thinker. Go deep into the riches of His truth and then come share them with us. But don't become arrogant with your knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8.1, Paul says that knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So stay humble and keep a loving attitude and purpose for your thinking. Proverbs 3.7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And then for our doers, you know, you love God with all your strength. When you hear Paul say in Romans 12, 1, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Wow, that gets you, that gets you pumped up. You're ready to go. You're ready to say, let's do this. Let's get in there. Let's get things done. You know, you're represented by Martha in Luke 10, who was busy serving when Jesus came to visit. You're, you're wondering why everybody else isn't already signed up to serve. I'm serving everywhere else. Why can't people sign up to serve here? But be careful that, like Martha, you don't put so much effort into what you do that you miss the important things and start believing that what you do determines how much God loves you. Psalm 127.2 says that in vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. And so whatever your personality is, wherever whatever those four categories that you fall into, God wants to strengthen it and use it for the kingdom. Our God is a God that loves all and can use all. Our world tries to assign value based on looks or based on our personality, but God says, I can and I will use all of my masterpieces for the work that I have set before them. He has made you the way that you are for a reason, and he wants to build you up and strengthen you just the way that you are. So you don't have to become somebody else to have a relationship with him, and you don't have to become somebody else to be used by him. He can use you the way that you are. So with that in mind, it's time to invite the Holy Spirit into your life to become completely available to God. Let him teach you about yourself to understand who you are and how you can love God more. And this morning, I want to finish up reading David's words in verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 39, just one more time. David says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that might be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting way. The path that brings me back to you. Friends, God shaped you for a specific purpose and for his glory. That includes your personality, no matter what your score is, no matter what letters you come back as. It's time to stop disqualifying yourself if you feel like you don't fit into the world's ideals for who can follow Jesus. It's time to stop making excuses because you feel like your personality doesn't mesh well with others in the church. It's time to invite God to gaze deeply into your heart and ask Him to lead you on the path that brings you back to Him. And that path leads to the cross 
where Jesus Christ took the sin of the world upon him, upon his shoulders as the atonement for all, where we can find hope and healing and forgiveness and salvation, where he strips us of our guilt and our shame so we can make ourselves available for the work of the kingdom, the work we have been purposefully created to do all the way down to your personality. Will you say yes to him this morning? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we can come here this morning and worship you. We thank you that from the moment to get, from the moment that you started knitting us together in our mother's womb, you had a plan for our lives. We're thankful that there are no accidents, that we are exactly who you created us to be. And so Father, I, I pray that we would stop listening to the negativity that might be in our, in our heart about who we are and start seeking you and, and seeing why did you create me to be? Well, how can I serve your kingdom by who you created me to be? I pray we stop trying to be other people. We try, stop trying to live by different ideals. Instead, lean into what you have planned for our lives. I pray that you would bring us onto the path. You would gaze into our hearts and bring us back to the path that leads to you. Father, this morning, I pray that we would surrender, that we would make ourselves available to you. I pray that your message would be coming through this morning. We would make our hearts available to you. There's a message for each one of our hearts, and I pray that we would listen to that this morning, that we would not walk out of here the same, but we would know that you are there. And so, Father, this morning, pray that we would come back to you. Come back to your son, Jesus. That because you loved each of us so much, all your creation, so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to the cross for us. We're thankful for that immense love. We're thankful for the grace provided that our shame and guilt would be washed away and that your grace allows us to be a part of what you're doing for your kingdom that you've given us gifts because of that grace. So Father, this morning I pray that we would not just live in forgiveness and salvation, but that we would look to serve you as well. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that Jesus arose and gave us a hope that extends beyond the problems of this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've come this morning and never made a decision to make Jesus the king of your life. You've never been baptized into his, into, into the waters. And we'd love to have you come forward this morning. We'd love to have you accept him and make him the king of, of, over the rest of your life. And then he can be baptized in front of all of these friends and witnesses to say, I'm a new creation from this day forward. So I'll be right down front here. I'd love to talk to you about the decision you might need to make. Also be down front if you have just something going on in your life that's just really putting you down right now. You just need some prayer. I'd love to pray with you this morning. And I know how I sound, so maybe you don't want to come this morning for that. But listen, I'm here all through the week. We have the QR code for prayer requests. I've got a mask up here, you know, if you want to come. But I understand. 
But we can find somebody to talk to if you feel like God's stirring in your heart and you just need somebody to pray with you. So if you have a decision to make or if you have just a need for prayer this morning, I'll be right down front. I just ask all of you stand and sing our final song together.